0: Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Great Shot Kid, the Nerd Party's podcast about uh, the people who make Star Wars. I'm Mike, and I know it's weird that I'm like introducing things, which is why I'm—I I'm, don't even know what to say. <laughs> and uh, it's not that John isn't here; John is here. He's just kind of uh, not completely here.
1: I—I'm—I'm uh, uh, I'm, uh, at the Obi-Wan Kenobi stage in, say, the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, as opposed to the fully realized apparition in Return of the Jedi.
0: Right, right. Yeah. He, it kind of sound. You, you know what you kind of sound like is uh, the, uh, the the chatter between the X wings at the end of uh, Red Six. Yeah. Can
1: you see Red Five? No sign <laughs> of me. Red Five. Where are you? Like that.
0: Yep. 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 <laughs> you're you're going to make your your trench run in a few minutes. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we figured we would talk about something else, which is uh, imploding, and that's uh, the Han Solo movie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a that's an
0: interesting way to put it, isn't it? Uh, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so as 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 we are sure everyone knows, Han Solo movie uh, went through a bit of a shakeup behind the scenes uh, last week, and it's uh well, it's no longer being directed by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who were yes. um, working on it for the past couple years at this yes,
1: point yeah through pre-production and through all of the different uh you know design phases and everything like that they are uh they are no longer with the production which was uh i know pretty shocking i mean you know in our own circle of friends in the nerd party itself that you know there were the little shock waves of wait what <laughs> i mean they're you know there had been rumors that in Rogue One, uh, you know, Edwards had sort of been pushed to the back seat uh, when, when they started doing the reshoots. And we were, I mean, even I was kind of skeptical. I was like, ah, oh, no, they probably brought people in, but it's still. I think this is, this serves as big, you know, uh, confirmation for the idea that. Um, Maybe he just decided to play ball and just said, yep, okay, whatever you guys want to do, which is not a knock on him and does not take anything away from Rogue One if you liked it or anything like that. I'm just saying this is more of a confirmation of what people uh, gleaned from that news that maybe there's a little more control from Lucasfilm's production arm uh, you know, when the directors come in.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the Rogue One situation, I really get the impression that, you know, Edwards made the movie the way that he wanted to make it, and then the studio came in or, or whatever and said, okay, we really think that we should change some things. And Edwards said, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, I don't get the impression that Rogue One is not Edwards's director's cut for example you know right i'm sure there's probably little things where he's like you want to do what now ah but i think a lot of it was you know someone came in tony gilroy you know or whoever came in with fresh eyes and said hey i think that it would be better if we did this and edwards was like yeah you're right okay let's do it then you know yeah. what I mean? Sure. I mean yeah. he, he he had a lot of help, you know, maybe they would have said we're doing it this way whether you like it or not, but I get the impression that he is very satisfied with the finished product. You know what I mean?
1: Hey, what reason would he have not to be, right? If it was even faint praise, people had praise for Rogue One. A lot of people liked what happened there. And so I you know, I think that uh, in the long run any director, you know, will wind up satisfied so far as that goes. But yeah, I, you know, I, I would say that um, you know maybe the, the the key difference with the story here is that I think that Edwards winds up being a bit like Marquand with Return of the Jedi, where he did deliver his cut and he handed it off, and uh, you know back then in '83, Lucas watched it and Kazanjian watched it, and they said, okay, there are some things we want to do here, and back then Marquand you know, according to the making of return of the Jedi book by Rensler said, okay, cool. I'm done. You know, I did what I was going to do. You guys know what you want to do. So you fix it. However you want to fix it. And again, that, you know, I I always love pointing out, you know, Jedi is my favorite one of, uh, of the original three, but what my, my curious side becomes what, what is fundamentally different about the fact that Edwards comes in and is okay with this. Why were Miller and Lord, unable to uh, you know to adapt to this how did they not expect something like this not you know not to be fired but they had to have expected some sort of involvement from the studio on you know on a pretty big level considering what they were stepping into right
0: you would think so, yeah. Uh, I, I, but at the same time, you know, maybe they thought, you know, and and I'm sure that they have dealt with this in the past, whether it's with the Lego Movie or Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs or whatever. I mean, surely there is studio involvement with with big movies like that. I, I think maybe the difference is that, um, well, for one thing, they are uh, more established than Edwards. They've had much bigger hits and everything, so maybe there is a bit of ego at play. But, you know, perhaps there's also a thing where, you know, I mean, it sounds like, you know, in in this case, it's not, you know, like like Edwards, it sounds like, did his thing, did the thing that was agreed upon, and once the finished product was seen, they decided that it wasn't working, so they went back to the drawing board to, quote-unquote, fix it. With... With this situation, it seems more like there is a plan, which is laid out in the script, and basically on the day or in the course of production, Lord and Miller were like, we think it would be better if we change the plan. And then that's when the the studio and Kasdan were like, uh, what happened to the plan? And they're like, yeah, we came up with something better. And you know Kennedy and and Casden are like we disagree and how about uh, you stop doing that now and you know I can definitely see you know Miller and Lord you know as as people who have made very successful movies in a very particular way all of a sudden being told no you've got to do it our way them saying uh, we don't want to do it your way you know we'd rather do something our way you know because at some point you do become like a director for hire Right, And I don't think that that's what they ever wanted to be. you know it it was always weird to me that they weren't writing this thing themselves because they've written everything else that they directed themselves. so it's it's bizarre to not have them write it. You know what I mean
1: i I do i I understand what you're saying. I mean that that you know to to an extent, I think I was happier with the announcement up to a certain point. But now that we're at the stage where we're getting sort of those leaks coming out, the first thing w- with me w- was, of course, everybody was immediately debating who's going to come in, who's going to come in. And, you know, Ron Howard's name was immediately floated. Joe Johnson's name was immediately floated. And somebody else, I, I forget who, I, I'm, I'm going to fail to attribute who it was. But somebody else actually said to me at one point, because I was debating like everybody else was, you know, going back and forth. And they said, why wouldn't Gilroy come in? He did their thing on Rogue One, why wouldn't he do it here too? And so I don't know what Gilroy is up to right now, but I mean, that is curious to me because they've got a known quantity, somebody who did come in and they said, this is what needs to be done. And he said, all right, I got this. And then he would get that directing credit with this one, presumably. And the thing is with with, with the DGA rules, I'm not even sure like how this works. Like this is this is very fascinating to me Because don't they have to change a certain percentage of the film in order to give a credit to somebody other than Miller and Lord or to take them off completely? Because I think back to Superman 2 with Richard Lester, they'd shot a whole ton of of Superman 2 with Donner, and they had to change certain things so that more Lester stuff got put in there than Donner stuff
0: yeah that's what I had always heard um but it sounds like maybe either something has changed or maybe that was a misinterpretation of of the rules by history because everything that I've read in sort of a um official or you know sort of um uh, rule based capacity in terms of this, like from people who would know uh seems to suggest that basically. Well, this is what I've heard, and I could be getting this a little bit wrong, but this is what I read in one of these articles. Um, It's up to the studio to decide. Once the studio decides, if someone who worked on the movie, so namely Lord and Miller, uh, disagree with the studio's decision, then they have the right to appeal. And once the appeal is made, then it is the decision of the DGA... You know, in terms of like who gets the credit. And once the DGA makes that decision, then that is the final say on the matter. And there's also some other like little thing in there where if the DGA fails to make a decision, then the studio gets to decide. I, I, and I could be getting that wrong, but basically what it comes down to is it's up to the DGA. Like they'll basically hear. You know, both sides, there will be like an appeals process and uh, whatever they determine is correct. Whoever they feel does deserve to get the credit will get it. But the DGA is pretty hardcore about there only being one director or one team of directors. So it's unlikely that it will say like directed by, you know, Phil Lord, Chris Miller and Ron Howard, which is what you would see from the Writers Guild. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be one or the other. And I don't think anyone really will know until the end.
1: Okay, so speaking of the Writers Guild, if if, if Lord Miller did all of this stuff where you know now the, the you know they've got the the leaks coming out, quote unquote, so-called leaks, saying that they were riffing too much on the on the script and not sticking to the plan, if they came up with something really good and they wind up keeping it, something that's a really good laugh or, or you know a really good you know, they reimagine so because, you know, I mean, because directors do that. Sometimes they come up with something on set. Is it possible that Lord Miller get a writing credit on this? I mean, or is this something where Lord Miller would be insane to challenge anything that, that Disney and Lucasfilm credit it with, that they should just take their paycheck and be like, look, this just didn't work and they bow out?
0: I don't think they'd be insane to to do that. I mean, I think that, you know, maybe they'll look at the finished product and be like, we don't want our names on that, you know? But then again, the other thing is that there is the whole, you know, sort of monetary element to it, you know, with residuals and all that stuff. So who knows? Even if they don't like the finished product, they might want their names on it just so that they can get paid. But as far as, like, the writing thing is concerned... I highly doubt that they will get writing credit based on what we know because that sort of thing. I mean, for one thing, there needs to be a rather substantial contribution to the script in order for someone to get a writing credit. And uh, I mean, based on how many people don't get credit for things that, you know, where, where they like do like completely new drafts. Like, for example, Christopher McQuarrie did a draft of, of Rogue One. And so did Scott Z Burns, I believe. And neither of them got credit on the movie because it wasn't their contribution, whatever it was, was not substantial enough to warrant credit. And the other thing about that, and I think that this is a a throwback to sort of like the studio studio era days, but there are there is a lot of like sort of like provisional stuff in the 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 contracts and the whatever, and, and I think just the guild rules that basically are designed to protect the the credited writers, you know, the, the actual people who are hired to write the thing. And uh, because of that, like, unless a director or a producer has, like, a very, very substantial contribution to the script, um, they're not credited. Because basically they don't want you know, let's say a producer who's just, you know, he's the guy in charge. He wants to get, you know, whatever. I mean, kind of like a Gene Roddenberry thing with the Star Trek theme, you know, that kind of thing. They want to prevent things like that from happening. So as I understand it, and I could be completely wrong or the rules could have completely changed or whatever, but as I understand it, people like directors and producers are held to a much higher standard when it comes to sort of arbitrating credit for screenplays. So I I really, really, really don't think that Lord and Miller are going to get script credit on this because, you know, at no point... Has anyone said, like, the script is by, you know, the two of them, you know, even right. if there was a lot of improv or whatever, I don't think that that's going to happen. I I would imagine, you know, and I mean, who knows, because a lot of it is going to depend on how much is reshot, how much of it ends up being Ron Howard's movie and all that stuff. Um, but I would imagine that if Ron Howard gets directing credit, then Lord and Miller will be listed as like executive producers something along okay. those lines, or you know the other way around if they get credit, Ron Howard, I'm guessing will be an executive producer
1: so yeah. so here's here's a question so that you know with, with the with the directing credit why why didn't Disney Lucasfilm go with one of the Kasdans to direct this? since they both have directing history and they wrote the script, you know that they're not going to vary from what's supposed to be delivered, right?
0: Yeah, that is and that's something which has been discussed a lot in this um apparently there is a directors guild rule which says that um someone who is already working on the movie cannot come in as a replacement director except in an emergency uh situation.
1: Right, but but I'm saying why weren't they tapped from the beginning? Was this oh. was this was this Lucasfilm just wanting the hot hand?
0: I mean, that, that's an interesting question, and, and I don't, you know, I mean, because part of me would think, like, yeah, Lawrence Kasdan, why wouldn't you get him to direct? I, you know, I mean, he hasn't made a movie in a while, and I, I'm wondering if maybe he just didn't want to, but I do know, and I, I read this somewhere else, I think Kiri Hart was talking about this at one point, and they brought it up again with this whole thing, like, Lawrence Kasdan was a very big proponent of Lord and Miller, early on like he apparently was very vocal in his support uh, uh, for them and really really thought that they were the right people for the job Hmm. so obviously uh you know things change but whatever you know that's that's but that's so i mean that's so wild
1: Uh, you know that that's kind of mind blowing because it's you know i mean how could you i mean everybody knew what they were known for i mean yeah everybody knew that's how they made movies and that's the type of movie that they made so how guess, could you I mean did you just think that they were gonna come in and say oh well we'll just we'll take your script but we know how to make it so that it's a little bit zanier the way they deliver the lines is that you think that's what they were thinking they were gonna get
0: you know I I think because like you you look at their work and you're like what? Is like the movie, you know, what is it that they've done which suggests that they'd be good at a Star Wars movie? And it's not their live action stuff, you know, it's, I mean, to me it is, to me it's 22 Jump Street and the fact that that movie is absolutely amazing on every (laughs) single level, but it's the Lego movie. You know, and it's like something where you're, like, adapting an existing property, which is really freaking hard to adapt, and you're coming up with it in a way which is very, very accessible and has a lot deeper meaning than even, you know, what you would consider the original to have has, you know, massive box office appeal across the board. You know, it's a kid's movie, which adults enjoy, you know, I mean, all that stuff. All that stuff, you know, with the pop culture references, it's clear that they're products of, you know, the 80s and, and Star Wars, uh, you know, era um, childhoods and stuff like that. I mean, that to me really suggests, like, yes. And, okay, it's animated, but they've directed two live action movies as well. So, like, that to me is sort of like the thing. And the thing about it is it being animated you would think that would have to be very well planned out. I mean, you know, you look at, like, working with visual effects in a Star Mm. Wars movie or whatever, it's like a lot of the stuff has to be planned out way in advance so that you can get, you know, the plates and whatever, and there's not much that you can change once it's sort of, like, locked in in a certain way. The same thing, I would imagine, is true for animation, right? I mean, you've got to have it all planned out years in advance so that it can be animated. Right. So I mean on paper to me it looks like that's perfect. But I guess you know once you, they were on the set they drifted a little more towards the 21 Jump Street, you know, uh, thing and I don't know.
1: Well, now there now there are two reports. Now the thing is the 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 leaks are coming out like a political campaign here where yeah. the, now we've got a story where when it when it was announced that they were being replaced the crew applauded on set or something like that and now there's one where which i consider that it's complete clickbait that uh Lucasfilm is dissatisfied with uh Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo
0: well that's that that is clickbait because that story comes from the first story that you just mentioned you know, because they say in there, like, oh, they hired a, an acting coach, and even in that article, they're like, that's not weird, but it happened later on in the process, which is a little weird. And then someone else, some other website, took that and ran with it and said they're unhappy with the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that is definitely clickbait, I think. Yeah. Well, you I know?
1: Mean, and the thing is with with hiring the acting coach, I remember when everybody got um, everybody got uh, all up in arms because in uh. With for Revenge of the Sith, Lucas brought on a, a it was called a dialect coach for mm-hmm. uh, you know for for Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, and it's like you know these are very it's because these are very specific um, skill sets that these you know these teachers or coaches have, you know, it's like, a, you know, uh, you, you don't expect Norv Turner to run out on the field, but he can tell the quarterback, you know, it looks like it might be better over here if you do it this way. And it's like, that's perfectly fine. You know, that's not a big, That I, I don't consider that too big a deal, especially when you're talking about something where you, you've got somebody coming in playing the earlier iteration of one of the most beloved characters in the last 40 years of cinema. You, right. it, you want somebody on set to be like, Rethink this one, you know, like, yeah, let, and, let's, and let's not, do this a little differently.
0: And and not even like, oh, you know, I don't I don't think that you're getting to the, the core of the character or anything right. like that. But just saying like, OK, I, I can I mean it and it is very common. I mean, I like I saw some interview with like Julia Roberts or something where she was talking about working on something with her acting coach. I mean, I think most Actors, You know, most A-list actors have their own personal coaches. I mean, I I see it as something similar to, I mean, like you're saying, you know, it's sports analogy, like there are pitching coaches and, and there are people who see things. I mean, you know, the White Sox have Don Cooper and Don Cooper is known. I mean happens all the freaking time. The White Sox play a team. There's some relief pitcher who gets absolutely rocked by the Sox. And then a week later, the Sox trade for the player. And then all of a sudden, he's really, really good. And the reason for that is because the Sox pitching coach is watching this guy and saying, oh, I see exactly what he's doing wrong. If I just told him this, he'd be good. You know, I mean, right. that's I, that's what I think it is. And you look at basically any movie, any credits for any movie, especially like you're saying with dialect coaches, they're all over the freaking place, yeah. you know? So I don't really see that as being a thing, you know? Well, yeah, no, I, I, I don't
1: either. But I, I would say, okay, it came on late in the process. Maybe it came on late in the process because it was a first attempt to... Maybe Alden Ehrenreich was getting direction from Lord Miller, and Lucasfilm wasn't what wasn't initially ready to give the blame just to Lord Miller for why Ehrenreich's performance wasn't, you know, what what they wanted. And so they're like, you know what, let's bring in a dialect coach or or an acting coach and and work with him. And then they find out later in the process, no, it's he was getting direction that we didn't like. It wasn't yeah. that he wasn't getting it.
0: I mean I saw another thing from a uh like a fan site you know this is an unsubstantiated rumor for sure but always the best <laughs> that Aaron Reich is the one who voiced concerns to Lucasfilm about Lord and Miller's direction and someone there said that uh Aaron Reich's performance was uh something similar to uh Ace Ventura which to me does not make any sense at all by any...
1: That would not make it to this stage. You know, There's no yeah. way that makes it this far along in the process. I mean, Right, right. And,
0: so, you know. I mean, who knows if that's true or not or anything, but I do want to say, I had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I had a dream that I watched the Lord and Miller cut of Han Solo, <laughs> and it played a lot like a uh, Noah Baumbach movie, (laughs) which I usually like a lot, but I remember watching this in my dream and thinking, this is intolerably bad. Like, I was really upset that Lord and Miller were fired, but if this is what we were going to get, I'm kind of glad that they've been kicked off the project.
1: As I have said many times before, (laughs) your dreams make me want to take your lunch money away from you. I I can't, can't, you know, uh, uh, my own anecdote that I'll throw out there is that, you know, for days we were all talking about this. And by all, I mean everybody listening to this, you and me, our friends, we're all talking, oh, my gosh, the Han Solo movies in tumult. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh, what does this mean? No lie during this. I had a coworker send me an email to myself and another person who he knows are Star Wars fans saying, "Oh wow, I just saw a headline. I didn't know they were working on another hun- on another Star Wars movie and that it was about Han Solo." And so my initial reaction is, "What planet have you been living on?" And then the answer that came to me was planet Earth, where people aren't consumed by the the entertainment news that we are. And so this this whole controversy means nothing to him.
0: It's totally true. I mean, I, I have a similar story. I was in a movie theater the other day, and they had the poster up for Last Jedi. And there was a kid who was probably around like 10 years old, and he was with like his i don't know another friend of his or something or it it looked like maybe like an older cousin or something who knows and he's like oh man i can't wait till that comes out I, do you want to go see star wars 2 with me <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he says and then he says technically this is the third one but rogue one <laughs> is a prequel
1: I kind of love that story so much. <laughs>
0: it's, it's great, a, right? But it really does kind of show, you know. Yeah. 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 So there you go, and that's someone who's looking forward to it, you know.
1: Yeah. Luca, Luca you know what? I think that the the moral is Lucasfilm's going to be a okay. They're going to they're going to come through this just fine.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling people are still like going to go see this film. movie. You know, <laughs> it's probable. And you know, yeah. I mean, we should talk. I mean, I. I, I I want I want to do well I want to do two things maybe together maybe separately but I definitely want to do a thorough study of Ron Howard you know and and certainly yep. look at some of his his better movies and I also want to look at at the very least 22 Jump Street although I think maybe we should just do 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street together just okay. to see like w- what it is we could have gotten or maybe are getting or whatever you know and yeah yeah, but but in the meantime perhaps we should just you know sort of run down the highlights of Ron Howard's uh, filmography just for I mean people who may not be familiar with uh, his work I mean this guy has won an Oscar for directing A Beautiful Mind uh, which also won Best Picture. But in addition to that, he's made a number of very good movies, yes. um, in, including... <laughs> nice dig. <dick. laughs> the truth hurts, you know? <laughs> oh, um, oh, yeah, no,
1: he he didn't deserve to win it for A Beautiful Mind, not at all. That that was an apology Oscar, so far as I was concerned. Um, yeah,
0: that movie's garbage. Uh, I wouldn't
1: call it garbage,
0: but yeah. It's, it's I mean, pretty, it's pretty I, terrible. It pretty I hold
1: terrible. it up against something like Cinderella Man or, uh, or Apollo oh. 13, and I'm like, no, that's not... That's, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I his early stuff I'm really not that familiar with, you know, because he's made like 30 movies or close to it. But you know, like Grand Theft Auto, we'll definitely need to take a look at that and, and put that into our uh our spin off trilogy director that, or whatever have thing.
1: Have you have you ever seen Splash?
0: I have seen Splash. I like Okay.
1: That. 'Cause that because that's that's, v- that's very relevant because that's comedy. I mean he hasn't done comedy in a long time. Yeah. But that's comedy. And I mean, you know, he was, you know, he was Richie Cunningham and he was, you know, Opie Taylor. And he was you know, like, so he has uh, comedic sensibilities that he came out of. So, you know, I think Splash is definitely worth taking a look at.
0: Yeah. You know, they're remaking Splash, but they're they're gender swapping it. So the merman is going to be Channing Tatum.
1: There's I mean, I think that's great. But like there I, I think I think it's borderline. um uh, I don't know what what the dramatic word would be, but sacrilegious, blasphemous, whatever you want to, you know, whatever big word you want to give to it that's that's inappropriate. But remaking a John K- any movie that John Candy is in is just wrong in my book because that guy was. You're never going to capture him again, and it's I I just don't think that's right.
0: Okay, yeah, it's just splash. I mean, come on.
1: Oh no, no, I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying oh this is the greatest work of ever, but it's like when John Candy was involved in a project, it's you know it would be like uh remaking vacation that would just be crazy oh wait they did and it didn't go well no I
0: mean... no 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 it wasn't a remake it was a sequel
1: oh was it a sequel
0: yeah the dad oh, okay. the the kid from the first oh, movie he is was, the dad he was in this rusty one.
1: that's right i never i never bothered watching it because and i was
0: i was like well that you know cuz i've never seen any of those movies so i was like well, that's lame because like they recast him, you know, why didn't they just get the original? And someone explained to me, no, 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 you don't get it. It works. That's part of the joke because the kids are always recast. Yes. And I'm like, Oh, well, that I like that a lot Then I'm glad they recast it. Now that makes me want to see the movie.
1: Uh, no, I know. I, to- I, totally, I totally, I totally, I thought that I, yeah, okay, I had it locked in my brain that that was a remake. You're right, that's well, not Well, they so certainly okay.
0: were promoting it as a remake, you know. I mean, it's the Force Awakens of the Vacation uh, franchise, for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But but Howard also <laughs> did uh, Cocoon, uh, mm-hmm. Willow for Lucasfilm, yep. you know. Uh, Parenthood, Backdraft, Far and Away, 70 millimeter.
1: I did not like Far and Away at all. I no. saw it in the movie theater and I remember uh, walking out, I had there, there were two fr- there were three friends total two of the friends walked out and they were they loved it they thought it was great and i walked out with my my pal mike and we're walking out of the theater and we're both silent because you know we didn't want to rain on the parade of the two people who really enjoyed it And mike just looks at me with a sidelong glance and he goes you know that was far and away the worst movie I've seen in a while. And I just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And then we ruined everybody's day because we told them we didn't like it. So It
0: happens. It happens. I know. You know, I, I saw that in part of my, uh, you know, when I was in high school, I was like, oh, Nicole Kidman. I need to watch every single movie that she's in. <laughs> so I, I saw that as part of that that uh, um, retrospective. And it's not a good movie. No. Um Uh, But the paper, Apollo 13, you know, probably is best, in my opinion, that I've seen anyway.
1: And I think the paper is overlooked. I I saw the paper um, actually at a press screening, um, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I I mean, but the the thing is, I love Michael Keaton. And so I I think that, um, you know, I think that actually the paper might be a good indicator of of the type of pacing that uh, Howard could bring to a comedic movie, because that's a very fast-paced, frenetic multiple plot line type of movie. And I, you know, I think that that indicates something good too.
0: Yeah. I mean, that could be, I mean, the the next one, uh, you know, that they did after Apollo 13 is, I think his most underrated movie that I've seen. And that's ransom. Oh, ransom's awesome. I love ransom so much. Yeah. Uh, Ed TV. Yeah. You know Uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas. I didn't see beautiful mind, whatever missing is not a good movie. Cinderella man though that's pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, it is. Cinderella man's amazing. That and and Frost Nixon is amazing. Oh, that's I forgot he did Frost
1: Nixon. Frost Nixon's wonderful. The performances he gets from everybody and the way that that, that it plays was absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I mean the dilemma the dilemma. The thing I love about the dilemma is at the end they, they he puts a, a guy named Gene Honda in the movie, and he's the voice of uh, uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, where the White Sox play. <laughs> and he, you actually get to see him on screen, and you get to hear his amazing voice. So there's that. Uh, but he also did Rush, which was okay, and you know the Da Vinci Code movies, which were <sighs> whatever. Uh, and... but, but see the
1: thing. But the the thing is, the Da Vinci Code movie. Was based on a bad book, so the movie was exactly what I expected it to be. I mean, I, I why did I go see it if I didn't like the book? Because I wanted to see. It. Because sometimes you do something amazing with with weaker source material. As I, I've never read Jaws, but I've been told that the movie is just vastly superior uh, to to the original. You know, the original inspiration. And same with Die Hard. But um, yeah, The Da Vinci Code was very bland.
0: Yeah, Angels and Demons was better, but it still wasn't that great. But yeah. Inferno is Inferno just a terrible, terrible mess. But uh, yeah, such is life. Yeah. So, yeah, so. so, so Ron Howard, yep, yeah, he's he's here. You know, he's he's legacy. You know, I mean, he's been there from the beginning. You know, working with Lucas before Lucas made any Star Wars anything. So, uh, and, you know, he's someone who obviously Kennedy can trust to deliver. He, she knows exactly what she's going to get. Maybe it seems like a b- boring choice, but in this particular instance, it seems like a perfect choice almost, you know.
1: Yeah. They need to so, add uh, cold water to the hot to get the right bath temperature.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, be interesting to see what happens. Yeah.
1: Indeed. Man. Indeed. So yeah, Ron Howard is here, uh, and you know who else is here is us. Uh, we are here. We are great shot kid. You can find us here on the Nerd Party Network, and the Nerd Party Network you can reach online at uh, at Join Nerd Party on Twitter facebook.com slash the nerd party. You can find us on Instagram. You can go to the nerd slash contact and drop a note to me and Mike look up for a uh, great shot kid. Uh, we love to hear from people. And speaking of loving to hear from people, we We would very much appreciate it if you went on over to iTunes and just let people know what you think of the show. Uh, You know, if you like us, that's great, because when you give us a rating and review on iTunes, it lets other people know that we exist, and they can come on over and join the fun. Uh, Mike, that's where they can reach us officially. Where can they reach you online?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, and you can also find me on TalkFilmSociety.com doing Soderbergh2828, and you can find me on CommentaryTrackStars.com doing CommentaryTrackStars, and you can find me on Trek.fm doing Stage 9 with you.
1: That's right. I do Stage 9 with you over on Trek FM, which is basically... It's like Great Shot Kid, only for Star Trek creators. Uh, and you can also find me uh, back here on the Nerd Party Network, co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations with Matthew Rushing. You can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig, uh, where we get into a little bit of zaniness every week. And uh, if, you know, if you're looking for me online, uh, the username where you can find me pretty much everywhere is Kessel Junkie. So uh, with all that said, thank you for joining us for this episode of Great Shot Kid. And uh, join us next week for a special guest right here on Great Shot Kid.